Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. And we welcome you into a special edition of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. This is our Penn State baseball version, the path to the pros. We're going to have a couple of podcasts coming up here over the next few weeks for you, as today we're joined by two players who were in spring training, and today we're joined by Jack Anderson, currently with the Seattle Mariners, and uh, Jim Haley, who's in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. Guys, it's great to catch up with you. How have you been? It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's fantastic to be talking to you guys, absolutely. Um Everything's been well. I mean, it's been a period of adjustment, obviously. The past couple of weeks have been throwing everything up in the air, but, you know, it's, uh, it's a day-by-day operation right now. Yeah, I'm taking back on that. It is uh, it's a weird time right now, but just like, like everything else, just trying to make it work. Um, but I'm doing well. It's, it's great to be talking to you guys, too, and I hope everybody else is, is doing well out there and healthy. All right, guys, I guess we'll start with this. As everything started to unfold with the coronavirus and it's impacted many, not only just here in the United States, but across the globe, if you could just share where you were at, what you were doing, and where you're at now as everything started to develop across the country. Sure. So I think like the first um, moment when everyone, especially in the sporting world, kind of realized was when they canceled the NBA games and told no fans that could come and Rudy Gobert got sick and Adam Silver shut everything down. So I think the next day we got called in for a meeting because the sporting world got rocked and they told us, Hey, we're going to be coming in in small groups. We're going to stay here. We're going to stay together. And not five hours went by from that meeting. And they called us all back in and told us, Hey, we got to shut everything down. Guys are going home. They tried to keep 40 man guys in Arizona for as long as they could, but eventually um, the state of Arizona shut down all the complexes. So eventually everyone had to get, out of the state. So I, um, I flew home a couple of days after that meeting. Uh, we had our lease until the end of March. So obviously we wanted to stay out there as long as possible, kind of wait things out, but just kind of taking note of the direction, everything was kind of with the virus. I think it was the smartest decision to just get out and be with family during these times. Back home in Evanston and um, just uh, trying to take it day by day with the training and everything. Yeah. Jim, so you're on the other side of the country with uh, the Rays organization. You're in Florida. So were things similar down there? Uh, it's so funny. Jack is just going through that whole scenario, and I'm thinking in my head, it was the exact same thing for us. <laughs> so yeah, we're down in Port Charlotte um, going about our day-to-day stuff. And it was when that – literally when the NBA game got canceled and Rudy Gobert, that's when we kind of were like, oh, this this might be – yeah, it might be pretty serious now. And – same deal. We had a meeting the next day. Um, and the same things were said to us. It was, um, we're going to, we're going to stay the course and go as planned and we'll, we'll keep you guys updated. And right now we think this is the best place for you guys to be. Um, and we got a text later that night. Um, we had an eight o'clock meeting the next morning and that's when they told us they were shutting everything down and, um, and they were taking it, um, they didn't, they didn't really know. They, they knew as much as we did. So, I mean, it was tough for them and it was tough for us. Uh, so, keeping us updated as best they could. And then they, they finally broke the news that they were uh, they were going to send everybody home because we were in the same boat as we had our lease until the end of March. And uh, I want to say majority of the organization was, was planning to stay down there and hopefully use the facilities 
if we're allowed, but same right. deal. They, they shut everything down. Um, so I actually, the next day, drove 18 hours straight back home to Philly. And back I as well, yeah, back to Delta, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but yeah, taking it day by day, just trying to stay stay in playing shape as best we can. Um, uh, we're, we're maintaining contact, though, with coordinators, coaches, strength strength guys, which which is nice. And the same deal. It's just like they're taking it day by day as well. They know as much as we do. So hopefully things start to clear up here soon and get back to playing ball. And, Tripp, I want to just emphasize real quick, like, how quickly things changed because we were – I mean, we were – like, it was literally just day-to-day operations. Like, mm-hmm. I'm planning now my next bullpen on that Friday, what yeah. I'm going to attack, how I'm going to get better and stuff. And then all of a sudden – they, literally the NBA game happened and it wasn't a thought in our mind. And then two days later we were completely shut down yep. and we, we have been sent. So I, I mean, like it was literally just like they were minor league games just starting in a couple of days. Like everyone was getting geared up. The hitters in our minor league camp flew in the day they sent us out. They flew in and immediately hopped on flights later that day and had to go back home. It's like, it, it really That's was crazy. a wild couple of days. Yeah. Isn't that- Jim, do you miss hitting off the submarine or at all? <laughs> oh, trip. Trip, not one bit. And I'm, I'm, Dude, glad I I'm glad I haven't had to face up with him yet in minor league ball. Dude, I was thinking about this earlier when, when we when we were talking about doing this, and um, I, I swear I think Hale, Haley got a hit off me the last time we faced each other. So I've been I've been holding that I've been holding that in the back of my head for years now, and so we were we almost played in low A. I don't remember, but I think you were up in high at the time. Yeah, because yeah, we were in we were in different divisions, right? We were in different divisions, but the same league, so we only played those teams only played each other once in Loa, and he was up in high at the time. But we were excited; we thought it was going to happen. But yeah, he got he got promoted, which is always a good thing. Well, your journey—it's interesting because your journeys at Penn State ended a little bit differently. You were both drafted in 2016, Jim in the 19th round, Jack in the 23rd round. But Jim, that was after your junior year, and Jack, that was after your senior year. So it ended differently there. But once you got into the minor leagues, your trajectory has been pretty similar. And so you've been in the same league before, but you've never crossed paths. For the most part, you're playing on different ends of the country, even. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I think, and and another thing that I think is interesting about pro ball that you don't really notice until you're in it is like you're playing against the same guys coming up and then eventually if you all make it to the big league it's the same guys like you're just facing like I've faced the same hitters from the athletics and the Dodgers for the past four seasons but I'll never <laughs> see Haley because he's all the way across the country and yeah, yeah in, in different leagues all the time so yeah you see the same guys climbing up and yeah it, it, it's just uh I don't know luck of the draw how it ends up I guess and I think another another super cool thing about it too is in obviously in, in pro ball you get the, the trades and people get released and sign with different teams so one of my good buddies that was also drafted by the Rays, um jake fraley well i got the, the opportunity hmm. to play with got traded over to the mariners and uh he flew their flew through their system pretty quick so there's connections in in, in that realm as well so and baseball's such a small world in that way too because like fraley's a good homie i played half a season with him last year after he got traded over to our org and another, like, small world thing is, like, Fraley and TK were, like, together this past offseason. Right, Tyler yeah, yeah. Kendall, our former teammate, yeah. they're both calling me, like, hey, we just met. Like, yeah. you know you, both of us. Yeah, so it's just, like, baseball is such a small world. There's always there's, like, two degrees of separation at most. What has it been like to still stick with those organizations that you've been with? And what has it been like, Jim, Jack, whoever wants to take this first, to play for the Tampa Bay Rays and to continue to climb through those 
through their ranks? Because I think as fans or as observers, we don't get to see the day-to-day progression and what it really takes to, to hone your craft where you have to achieve something to get to that next level. So what is it like day-to-day going through the progress and the programs within minor league baseball? Uh, yeah, I'll take this first. With the Rays especially, the Rays have, have built themselves up as a, as a top-tier organization for developing talent. Um, I've been, been fortunate enough to, to see that play out for me as well. Um, I think it was this past season they were we were ranked the, the best minor league system in baseball. Um, and that's credit to the Rays organization. Obviously, you're bringing in good players, but good players can only take you so far without the development aspect. Um, so the Rays have done a really good job with me personally, but with the whole organization and developing players. And on the on the flip side, the organization, the coordinators as a whole, um, I've I've really enjoyed my time with them, and I've been fortunate enough to stick around for a while now. Because that's it. I think that's and Jack will take. Uh, testament to this in spring training it's always the toughest day when cuts roll around mm-hmm. and guys that you've been playing with or for two three seasons some of your best buddies that um you know they're coming off good seasons but pro ball it's, it's a different it's a different beast um it's a business and you see guys that you've been playing with two three years and they get cut like that um so it's tough but yeah overall the Rays, I've, I've had an unbelievable experience and the way they develop their players is is, is awesome yeah. So yeah, I think it's I think it's similar, man. I think the emphasis on really just minor league development is just so strong throughout baseball right now. It's like it's really just a, a proven way of how you're going to win a World Series at this point. I think so. The Mariners have taken the same type of path to try and build their structure of of development, and I think they've done a really good job. In 2016, when I was drafted, was the first year of our current general manager Jerry Depoto. So it's been nice. It's been really cool to like kind of grow with that initial class of kind of draft guys about guys that this organization kind of handpicked and moving up with those guys. And um, we've had some really fun, really good teams uh, throughout the throughout the years, throughout these past few years. But it's been interesting to see like the progression of how they of how they're implementing um, kind of the larger scope of what they want, especially like so specifically from the pitching side, like. My first year, the huge emphasis was just first pitch strikes. It was like it didn't really matter how much else mattered, but throwing first pitch strikes. And then the next year, it kind of progressed to now we got to win our OOs and our 1-1s. And then the next year, it was, all right, we're winning our OOs. Our 1-1s were like the best, second best in all of minor league baseball. Now we got to put guys away. And so then the next year, it was kind of an emphasis on strikeouts. And now we have – now we're up in like – the top two or three in minor league baseball and strikeouts. So those are numbers that guys are really proud of around the organization. And um, so, yeah, the progress and like now just this past year brought in a lot of new guys who are pushing a lot of the um, advanced analytics. And so it's kind of adapting and learning. It's almost kind of learning, uh, relearning the game of baseball with all the new numbers that are being put in there and what's important and what's not. So it's been, it's been interesting to see the ride of the past four years and how they've, how they've built their structure, their infrastructure kind of a development. On top of that, too, I think, like, over the past four years, the way the game has developed all over baseball, like, we brought, a new, um, we brought in a lot of new faces this year as well, and um, they focused big on the analytical side, which I've never, I've never dove too deep into it. There's definitely something to it. I've just always been – I try to keep things simple, and you mm-hmm. can gain a lot from those numbers. I know on the pitching side as well with the rap total and stuff, 
but um, it's just cool to see how the game has developed. And um, obviously, there's, there's still the, the old school baseball take on it, but I think there's there's a good mesh that they have going right now with bringing in this, this new stuff. So it's, it's been pretty cool to see over the past four years. Yeah, and I think that that mesh is super important because, like, you see some organizations that are just strictly by the numbers. I think the Astros are really famous for it. They're kind of just looking at numbers you see um, you get from a machine after you throw a bullpen or something and kind of making their decisions based off that. Whereas the Mariners, and it sounds like the Rays, too, are doing a really good job of blending the people and the numbers because you got to use your eyes. You got it, and you got it, and then you also got to understand that these numbers have proven things, so you got to be able to work them into what you're doing. Right, 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 right. It's funny you guys talk about that because my next question is going to be, how are you evaluated? How do they evaluate who they want to move on to the next level? Because, you know, an old school baseball or someone who's been around baseball for a long time, could look, Jim, last year in double A with Montgomery, you hit 286, eight home runs, 34 RBIs. Those are awesome numbers, and obviously you've excelled everywhere you've been. Yeah, that's pretty darn good, isn't it, Jack? You don't want to face him now. Dude, I'm telling you, man, that that single no, 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 is way no, no, better no. than what he might do to me now. <laughs> no, no, I'll stick with my last hit against Jack. <laughs> and Jack, with with Arkansas, along the same thing, and you've you've excelled everywhere you've been in the minors too. You're four and two, a one five zero in minor league baseball, two hundred innings hey, pitch. Jack. He has two hundred one strikeouts too, Jim. He has two hundred one strikeouts in two hundred innings. So, so what are they I looking at? What are they looking at as you evaluate as they evaluate you? Um, so I, I don't know. I don't want to give away any industry secrets. No, but got to tread lightly. Um, so it, I think that a lot of the traditional numbers are thrown out of the window, realistically. Um, batting average and ERA, I know they're like, those are, those are kind of what Jivanoff's numbers are centered around right now, the way that you read them too. <laughs> yep, but like, they're almost, they're almost thrown out the window completely. They, they utilize the new hitting like a uh, determinant of kind of how hard you're hitting the ball, like yeah. launch angles and all that stuff. And um, we're kind of basing a lot of that for hitter promotions. And then for pitchers, they have, you have like a location score, you have a pitch score, you have a pitch, which all combine into pitch grade. And that's not the only number, but it's a very, very significant number. So it's like, are you putting your, are, is your A, is your pitch as good as it can be? Like this, this like I throw a fastball on a slider. So like, just like maximizing the amount of movement in the right in the direction that's going to be the most effective for me. And then once I have that down, then it's putting it in the right location. So it's putting it in all of these hundreds and thousands of pitches and all this data put together that tells me specifically where my pitches are going to be best located. And the combination of those two makes a pitch grade score. And a lot is determined by those. Right. I think, uh, it's the same thing on the hitting end. So, like you were reading off ERA and batting average. And it's obviously you, you want those numbers to be as good as possible. But there's so many advanced stats now, like chase rate and are the pitches you're swinging at actually strikes. And when you do swing, how many, like, how, how, what's the percentage that you're barreling that ball? And then, same thing Jack was saying, you get launch angle now and exit velos. And, um, but again, I, I can't say for sure what, what they look at when promoting guys, I'm sure there's a, a lot that goes into it. Um, but I think those, those advanced stats now definitely play a role, which they should. Um, obviously you don't want to be swinging at, like if you're hitting 300, but you're, you're striking out every other at bat, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think, I think that, uh, I think it was described to me once pretty well. It was like the numbers on the back of your baseball card, like your batting average and your ERA, 
your win loss. Like those are those will get you paid. But like the stuff that gets you promoted and moves you through like these newer age organizations are kind of the numbers behind the scenes where they're using these formulas and computing things to determine who's going to be the most successful at the big league level, not necessarily right. at the minor league right. level. Exactly. Yeah, those old school numbers still win me fantasy baseball too, guys. That's, that's what I'm saying. They're still important. Uh-huh. Believe it. <laughs> well, the reason I ask that is because you both have, again, as I said, have had a lot of success in the minor leagues. You were both up in AA last year. Uh, big league camp here this spring. Do you feel like you're close? Can you taste it now? Is there some light at the end of the tunnel? Do you realize that you might have an opportunity? Um, I think that an interesting quote that I also heard recently was like, the closer you get to your dreams, the further they feel away. So like, yeah, you're one step away, but it's also the biggest step that anyone could ever imagine. You know, so I, I, I feel confident. I feel prepared. There's obviously things I need to improve on and continue to work on, which that will never stop. But I mean, I had a lot of positive conversations throughout spring training and throughout the off season and things. So, you know, it feels like, like, uh, like some of the right people are in my corner. Um, I, I just got to go out there and perform. You know, we got to get back to playing baseball and I got to, I got to throw well. I'm just like, Jim's got to hit well, just like everyone, you know, like you just uh-huh. got to play. We really got to play. If you don't like it, play better. <laughs> Amen to that. Jim, how much pressure is there? Do you feel pressure moving up through the ranks because you have to perform for, for your career to continue and for your career to advance? What's the mindset of a player? Uh, I think there is pressure. Um, there, there's always going to be pressure. I put pressure myself, but in the grand scheme of things, you tr- you try not to. Um, yeah, it is. It's your career, and you're working for it. And if you get, you're basically fired if you don't if you don't play well enough. Um, but if you have that mindset of you, if you're playing not to get fired, I think that will backfire on yeah. you. Um, so there's definitely that that little bit of pressure you put on yourself. But I play my best baseball when I'm out there, not thinking about anything. Um, and I think that translated big time for me this year. I, was, I started in high A, went up to double A, and then I went up to triple A uh, for playoffs. And then just to touch on one of the things you said to Jack about, like, um, like you feel like you're close, like that, that one step away. And for me, like I got to, I was in a big league camp, but you get the chance to go up to the, they send minor leaguers up to, to big league spring training games. And it's awesome. The experience is so cool. And you, you're playing against big leaguers. Um but the more you go up there and the more you watch them and how they handle themselves and you realize that it's, it's the same game. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that obviously they're playing at an elite level, but the game doesn't change. Um, it's the same game. So I think for me going up to those games, because it is, it's like you watch these guys on TV and it's like, dang, I don't know. If, I don't know if I can compete with these guys. Then you go up and you watch and you get in the, uh, the back half of games and you get to face some of the big league guys and, you psych yourself out, obviously. Um, but after a bat, you're like, I, I, you know, I can handle that guy. So I think that's uh, that's one thing for me that's helped. And, um, but yeah, the, pre- the pressure aspect, there's always going to be that little bit of pressure, but you try not to push too hard on yourself. Yeah, you're 25, 26 years old, and you're still getting to play play the game that you grew up playing and have a chance not only to make money doing it, but but very close, both of you, very close to have a chance to do it at the highest level. Living the dream yeah. trip. <laughs> and I think and I think a big part of it is as you progress up, like good pitches are still good pitches and bad pitches are still bad pitches. Like it's still the same game. Yeah. Guys are a little bit bigger, you know. Like it's yeah. really a big yeah. part that it causes. I mean, like, yeah, you're still playing the same you're still playing the same game for sure. And that's that's one progression I noticed this year, especially going from 
tie to double A, triple A for that week is I think the one main thing that sticks out is the pitching. Um, as you go up the ladder, pitchers are definitely way more polished. Um, at those lower levels, you'll see what I found, you'll see a lot more velo, but not much control. As you go up, the velo, I mean, even the, the game's changing again. Now it's velocity. But as I went up, the velo will drop off a little bit, but now now pitchers are pitchers. Um, they yeah. can throw what they want, where they want, whenever they want, which obviously makes it much tougher. Jim, was there a specific, like, lead jump for you that was the toughest transition? Uh, you know, it's funny. People, people were asking about this offseason. Um, from double-A to triple-A, given I was only up there for a week, a week and a half, I played in, I think, three games. But it was in playoffs. Um, I think the bigger jump was single A to double A. Yeah. For me, the pitching was like night and day. Obviously, yeah. I saw I saw some good arms in high, but when I got up to double A, it was like every guy you were facing was like, oh, crap. Yeah, you really I think that's a general. For sure, I think that's a general uh, consensus that like that high A to double A jump is kind of when if you prove you can pitch in or hit in double A. You kind of have a job for a long time. Like you get released by your team. Someone, yeah. someone else needs an arm, needs a bat to fill those spots because not everyone can compete at that level. Right. That's what I, I think. I mean, that's the saying I've heard all growing up. Like if you can play in double A, if you can play in the big leagues, it's just a matter of things things falling in place from that point. Yeah. So you yeah, still have sure. to compete and improve yourself and play well, but. Jack, did you notice that jump? Because going back to your Penn State career and your your minor league career, the only home run you allowed was at two A. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude. Taylor Featherstone, the kid who hit this home run, not a kid, a big leaguer. Um, he, we looked it up and like we looked up the hardest hit balls off me by a right-handed hitter the entire season. Kid, three of the four. So this guy just had my number. Just absolutely had my number. Oh yeah, for sure. But I think I think like the the transit. I think the Mariners do a good job of making making sure guys are really ready before they promote them too, which I think is important. But another sure. thing about my career is that, like, I failed at every single level that I went to. You know, like, I I came out in pro ball and, like, had some bad outings and got them – or then got demoted to the Arizona Fall League and finished my year there, um, which is kind of a it's, – it, it's a little bit a less advanced league for a college player. And the next year, Clinton, like, I thought I was going to get released in low A after a month. Um, in high A, I did the same thing, had a bad first. Like, so, like, I, I, I failed at every level and kind of had to adjust and become a better pitcher to compete at that spot, yeah. which I think was an important part, of the, important part of the progression. You know, like, you can't be afraid to fail, but, like, sometimes yeah. pitching with your back against the wall, like, knowing, hey, like, this dude's coming from my spot, and there's yeah. always, always, always someone coming for your spot. Ten, twenty dudes ready coming for your spot. Say, you know, yeah, so. more than one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I think... I think learning to fail, or not learning because I did the same thing at Penn State, you know, definitely yeah. failed, failed a ton there. And I think that it's just such an important factor of the whole growth process, like, and and having a little bit of a leash to be able to fail, you know, like. 100%. Yeah. I think one other thing on that, too, like you were saying, uh, with guys coming for your spot, it's I think it's a good thing, like, for me especially, like, that pushes me. Yeah. Especially, like, the, you see the top prospects and whatnot. Like, I love getting on the field with those guys. Um, major, I would say 99.9% of them, too. Um, the outside world, you always hear about, like, how's this guy? Because we have Wanda Franco, the number one prospect in baseball, just as an example. 
For so, sure. like, you get around prospects, and it's like, how is he as a person? Like, 99.9% are just good dudes. But baseball-wise and talent-wise, like, I love being on the field with those guys. Like, they, mm-hmm. they push me to be better. And it's not like they're trying to push me, but I just – the way they handle themselves, how good they are, it's like, I, I try to pick up on things from them, older or younger. I don't – you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think they get better. For sure. I think a huge part of pro ball that I think we – we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about, especially on a, a college podcast is like the amount of baseball we're playing. Like yep. it's, mm-hmm. it's a hundred, like 40 yep. games and 150 days, something crazy like that. And like 142. Just to, just out there taking BP like every day. I'm out, I'm out there throwing a baseball about 80 times, like every single day. So like <laughs> your, your craft is like getting exponentially better. Like so quickly, like right. you're in, yep. Everybody else, like, you, if you don't have a routine, you're done for. If you don't have, like, a funnel, you're done for. Like, all these mental aspects that, like, Coach Cooper preached, too, who was, would have been, like, the first one to introduce it to us. Like, if you don't have these things, like, you're going to get weeded out very quickly. And like we said, there's 20 dudes coming for your spot. And that, I think we could sit here and talk baseball and talk pro ball and talk your careers for, for forever, basically. But but before we, we start to wrap things up, I want to get into your time at Penn State. And you mentioned Coach Cooper when you look back and as you start to get further removed from that college experience, what do you reflect on most about your time in Happy Valley? Is it the baseball? Is it the people? Is it the college atmosphere, the campus? What do you reflect on? What do you miss? What do you talk about when you and your teammates get back together or when you catch up with them via phone calls, text, whatever it may be? Um, I'll, I'll throw a couple things out there that stick out immediately just from you. Asking say, that this might be a long answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, obviously the major thing is the guys. Like, I mean, Jim and I lived in a, a house with 16 guys. That's my senior year, his junior year, which like all baseball guys, like we're so, we're so close. Like, you know, like we're spending every single minute together. And these are guys who like, I'll, once again, like I'll talk to C a couple of times a year. But I mean, the stories and the experiences throughout those, throughout those years, just like living with the guys and like being in the locker room and just nudging up against them at all times. Um, you're just it's unavoidable and it's it's such an important part. And then another thing like that always sticks out to me too is um something that like current Penn State baseball players may hate me for saying, but just those brutal conditionings or like the early mornings. Oh, oh. Like, like I'm talking the hardest days, which there were a lot of them. Like they're like the memories of those are like I, I think they're they build up the calluses like in your head. Oh my lord! Just like being like just tough, you know, like and I think. Um, I think it's like he. We used to do like sleds or hills like crazy, and they'd be like, "Hey, do you think these hills are gonna make you a better baseball player? Probably not, but we're gonna do them anyway." You know, just like <laughs> it's like, all right, here we go. So like, yeah, like me, like to me, Jim, like just bent over, like at the on rep fifteen out of sixteen, like that's the stuff that I remember and the stuff that I'll always Sixteen guys, and because you were all baseball players, you're spending a lot of time together how much fighting was there between 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 you guys some guys had to work a couple things out maybe but <laughs> yeah. i think for the most part we stay pretty amicable 100%. <laughs> jim what do you miss most about happy valley do, do you still try to ever get back or anything like that uh for me uh, i'm i'm the same boat as jack i mean one, one thing that i'll always hold on to remember it's just being around the guys um you form so many good relationships and especially that that house we're living in with i think it's 16 of us 15 of us yeah um like i look back on that year and was like that you know i mean it's one of the best times of your life right there 
but on top of the guys, uh, being in the locker room, um, the baseball aspect, traveling, road trips, being on a bus for 15 hours back and forth. Um, and I do. I honest, I, I miss the campus, beautiful campus. I miss football weekends. Um, I just, there's so many good memories up there, and I do. I try to get back. I haven't been up the past two years, but I, I try to get back once a year. Um, and then I got, we have our Philly crew actually here. We got, mm-hmm. we got Gears recently, just moved back. We got Richter, Novak, Tommy Mullen. So we always try to get, we always try to get together once or twice in off season, which is, uh, which is fun. But yeah, just so many good memories up there. I'm still stuck on this 16 man house. Did you rent a fraternity out? Did you, did you guys never know about this? Like, <laughs> It was fully a thing for a whole year. Like we were just over there. <laughs> like, I want to say edge of campus. Like <laughs> before we rented it out, it was rented out as like multiple different. True. Like it was just a bunch of different kids renting out rooms, so they didn't necessarily know each other. They would rent out one floor and then the bottom floor. Um, but obviously, when we got it, it was a. It was, it was probably it was a different a experience time. for the landlord. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then we had, right. and then it was literally two houses down. We had four other guys yeah, living right. in the house. Right. Yeah. So there was 20 of us on one block. Obviously some of the staff <laughs> has changed here at, at Penn state, but you had your experience with, with coach Cooper during your Penn state career. And, and you continue to see now players that either you've played with or have gotten to know maybe through, through friends that have left Penn State and gone on to the professional ranks as well. So what is it about Penn State that's allowed this place to become a place where if you want to play pro ball, you can go to Penn State, get a degree, or work on a degree, and then you can have an opportunity to go and live out your your dreams and work your way up through the minor leagues and hopefully get to the majors? Yeah, so I think, obviously, Penn State, first-class education. And then um, Coop, I think he's done a good job. Obviously, I don't know uh, many of the coaches – up there now, but I mean, I still follow everything. I follow game scores. I follow the Twitter page. I follow. So yeah, I stay up to date. You know what I mean? I'm kind of behind the scenes. I'm not very, very vocal about it, but I'm, trust me, I'm following. Um, <laughs> but yeah, going to Penn State and uh, the culture that the Coop has built there and developing. I mean, it's, it's kind of like Pro Bowl, honestly. It's like when I went there, it's, obviously you want to, you want to win and you want to win championships and compete in playoffs, but Overall, you want to develop as a player to get to that next. Because that's, I mean, obviously that's the ultimate goal is to get to that next level and be able to succeed at that next level. Um, so yeah, I think what they're doing there is good. And um, Penn State is a school. You're not going to get much better than that. So to get a degree from there is awesome, which I'm still working towards as well. Jack, I noticed yeah. he didn't say he listens to the the radio broadcasts. I'm holding out hope here for you. <laughs> I'm sad to say that I've missed a good share of the radio broadcast as well. <laughs> oh, man. But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, Jim hit everything that I was going to touch on, too. Like, I think Penn State's like a trip, like a triple threat, man. You you immerse yourself in great baseball and, I mean, just the best facilities. Like, still guys throughout Pro Bowl will be like, because the Spikes play there as well. So a lot yeah, of guys yeah. have played on that field. They'll be like, dude, you guys played this for college? Like, that's fucking easy. Same reaction, man. Yeah, yeah man. It's cool. top-tier field. Absolutely. Facility's incredible. I mean, and yeah, like, Coop's created this culture. I already mentioned how the things that, like, the mental side of the game that he preached forever and how important it's been to me throughout my time in Pro Bowl. And he, he's got one of his good friends, um, is our farm director as well. So, you know, it's a lot of the same principles being being pushed. Um, 
and then yeah like the school is say what more can you say about Penn State I mean it's just about you're immersed in 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 fantastic people tons of fun and happy valley can't be beat Jim Jack really appreciate the time best of luck once baseball resumes here and really really appreciate you catching up here with with us on the podcast thank you guys thank you very much for having us it was great catching up with you guys always a pleasure thanks Tripp All right, that has been Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics, our baseball special edition with Jack Anderson of the Seattle Mariners organization and Jim Haley of the Tampa Bay Rays organization. We will talk to you again next time here on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics.